Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast. I'm here with Scott Berry, my co-host. Hello, Josh. Today, we've got a special two-part episode. Josh and I have experienced this really eclectic, magical place called Burning Man, collectively known as the Playa, and we have been fortunate enough to share this experience on many occasions together and this show isn't dedicated to specifically that event but the beautiful synchronicities and the lessons and teachings that tend to evolve and get expressed in that environment so today we thought we'd share just a few stories that really touch up on some philosophies that we have been discussing throughout this last couple years on the podcast and how it really ties into fulfillment. So I'd like to start it off about the magic of being in the present moment. And we start off with a really beautiful story that Josh experienced on the playa. Enjoy. Welcome to the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast, where we focus on bridging success with fulfillment in your personal, business, and spiritual life. And now your hosts, Scott Berry and Joshua Wenner. There was one story in particular that really touched me, and Scott and I were talking about it uh, before the show, and we just thought we'd kick off the show with this one, and I wanted to share it with you. You know, out of all the places to go in the world, you know, where do you feel open-hearted, free, childlike, safe, connected, where like the people around you that you may not even know feel like family? And, you know, where else can you find that type of fulfillment in feeling safe enough to connect with strangers or people that you may not know and feel safe enough to just be authentic or feel free or feel safe or feel connected and, and really, that's, that's the focus of today's, the start of today's show is really about the fulfillment from the playa and some of the energy and the connection that was there. You know, I, I, I was out for a, a sunrise sunset, and they're one of my favorite things of the burn is uh, going, getting up and going out early for a sunset. And um, a lot of times there's these art cars out there and people are playing amazing music. And it's just the music's really, I like house happy music, and it's just really like housey, happy, fun like bouncy energy and the sun's coming up and it's usually really beautiful. And, uh, I'd had a really powerful night and felt like going out early to explore and dance. And I went out early, was just feeling really connected. It, it was later. I'd been there almost, almost a week. I have been there six days and I'd just gone out with my parents and had an amazing night out on the playa with my parents and was f- really feeling in my heart, really open and uh, I went out there and uh, just something shifted in me and I was high-fiving people and connecting with people. Prior to that, I'd been a little bit more in my head, uh, a little bit more in my internal space and something had shifted for me. And at that moment, I was like hugging and high-fiving and talking to everybody. And I just felt like I was part of the experience. And there was a moment when I was walking around because there was this big crowd and I would dance in the front and talk to people there. And then I'd dance in the middle and dance on the sides. And I was literally like just feeling like roaming around, connecting and meeting people and, and, and really a part of the experience. And I, I was walking and I saw a man uh, was holding his heart. And I just intuitively felt like 
like he was holding his heart and um, I stopped him and I came up and I just said, Hey brother, uh, you know, I see you holding your hand over your heart. feels like you may need a big hug. You know, he feels like you mean a little love, a little bit of love right now. And uh, he turned to me and he, and he said in a kind of like an almost already teary voice, he said, Hey man, he goes, real talk. Uh, my, my girlfriend committed suicide three weeks ago. And then it was just like this immediate, um, moment between us where, you know, I just held him and we immediately embraced and I held him for probably a good five minutes and he just totally let go and felt so safe to cry. And I just held him as he cried in my arms. And, um, it was like an instant brother thing where immediately we were soul brothers. Like immediately it was like such a deep bond actually out of the whole Burning Man experience. He's the only number I got to follow up with that of everybody I met, uh, throughout the week because, it really touched me, um, the connection we had. And after he cried for a while, he, he stood, you know, took a step back and looked up to me and just said, you know, I really needed that. I didn't realize how bad I needed that. And then, uh, to add to the story and I didn't even share what this with Scott, uh, we started talking and again, I do work around grief and I do work around loss. And so it was like perfectly aligned and we could really talk about it and that this was her gift to him. Uh, his transformation of the, what his process he was going through was really her gift and her transitioning. And he was really just like, man, there's so much love here. And his struggle was like seeing how happy everybody was and loving and dancing. And like, there's so much love yet. There's some people who are so alone uh, amongst the love everywhere. And that's the part I think he was really wrestling with is like, Oh my God, how can there be so much love everywhere? Yet somebody feels so alone, so empty um, and, and that they just need to let, they need to go. They can't be here anymore because they're in so much pain. And so we were taking a moment to feel that and, and be with that. And then somebody walked up with cards, you know, there's random coincidences happening everywhere and these conscious conversation cards and somebody handed him a card and handed me a card or I just, they said, pick. And he picked a card and it said, do you feel in life things are destiny or they think that there's free will. And then my card said, which I'm holding right now with his uh, email or his, his contact information. It said, was there ever a time in your life where you believed that life was not living, was not worth living anymore? And we just sat there and looked at each other and we're kind of astonished because here his, you know, his girlfriend had just taken her life three weeks ago and now I'm getting a card that's reflecting it. And then he's getting a card that's basically saying, is this, is this free will or is this destiny? Is this, is this already written? Is it in already in the cards or is this a choice? And, uh, you know, I think that was this beautiful connection with us where you're, you're, when you're out there and, and the guards are down and the masks are down and the walls are down and you're just open hearted and you're feeling and connecting, uh, there's a level of connection that you're able to find. And again, I think you can find it other places. Uh, it's not just this place, but the meaning on fulfillment, there's something very fulfilling about feeling safe enough to just be open hearted and connect with strangers and feel safe enough to be that raw that real mm -hmm. uh, where it just you're part of the flow you're it's it's a transition as somebody celebrating it's the it's it's like the yin and the yang it's the dualic balance of light dark everything uh, where a lot of healing took place for him a lot of healing took place for me I grounded in oh my god I'm doing this work around loss and I feel so guided and like it made my whole experience because I was like this is what I'm meant to be doing how many other people are like him that I could show up for, that I have tools to support. And um, 
So it helped me kickstart a little bit further into the work that I'm doing. So I wanted to share that story to kind of kick off, you know, yeah. fulfillment in the, in the context of connections and safety and open hearted. And, you know, where do you go to feel that safe to connect with others in that such of a safe place? Yeah. And I think that's why when you told me that story, I, I asked Josh if he would feel comfortable enough sharing that as we were wanted to to deep dive into just all of the possibilities, the healing and uh, and, and insights that really come from this really interesting tapestry we call Burning Man. And you know, when you initially told me, there was a there was a few things that that really hit me about the story. And uh, one of them was, uh, I think the biggest one that you alluded to is, you know, there, there's very few places and events and circumstances where we are okay as human beings to um, get intimate with each other for somebody who they don't, you know, you guys didn't know each other, you guys had just met, um, you know, the context um, wasn't familiar at all. And, you know, for there just to almost be this instantaneous allowance of, hey, I'm, I'm feeling that you may need something, you may need some humanistic connection. Uh, I'm not really sure what it is, but I'm, I'm feeling it for you to be pulled enough to even ask him. And then on the flip side, for him to even feel safe enough. I mean, I, I would imagine in the moment he made a decision, hey, yes, this feels safe or, or no, this doesn't feel safe to open up to this, you know, random complete stranger um and then for you to like literally sit there and hug him and just hold him you know i think i think you said it was like for a full 10 minutes and 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 that's <laughs> i mean full 10 minutes is a very very long time um i you know i was just completely struck by it because i i think what it tells me is yeah it was very it's it's interesting that we can go into that dynamic so fast but i think what it also shares with me is there's certain pieces, and I think this goes beyond just your story, but a lot of what the the core essence has to do with Burning Man and on a on a kind of a bigger picture, bigger scale uh, about uh, human social fulfillment is we we really have this need to uh, console our fellow brother and console our fellow sister and console our fellow stranger because we're just connected to them as human beings. Now, I think we naturally have that as um, our connection with our family. You know, if our spouse is really feeling off, like we get deep fulfillment to to be there for each other and, and to do that for a lot of our friends. But, um, you know, it's when you go down and, and you're walking down the middle of the street in, in San Francisco and you see someone crying, you know, um, you know, I'm sure some people will stop and, and ask how they are, but a lot of times we just kind of ignore it or we feel like somebody else will, will, uh, will attend to them, even though we, there's a tingling of, um, uh, compassion and, and empathy and, and we kind of feel for them. But, uh, 
Yeah, I, I think this this whole idea of us getting back to what I feel is, is more tribal roots, uh, roots of connection, and that real very basic premise of um, of uh, oneness, and you know, like just we're all connected. Like these are all of our of our brothers and sisters. And so I was, I'm curious for you, Josh, like how did, um, like, did that even kind of play a part in your decision to connect with him at all? Or is it just such a subconscious um, reaction to helping a brother out? And, and obviously I know that you do this kind of work and it's, um, you know, part of, uh, you know, what your gift is to the world. So, I mean, it's obviously a muscle that you've, you know, been developing over a few years, but I mean, complete strangers is, is a little bit of a different story. Yeah. I, and I think for me, a big part of it is I, if it had been early in the week again, and again, he didn't just, he wasn't crying when I saw him. And again, he was dancing and moving, but his hand was on his heart. So it was just a, it was a random, I was super external, like reaching out, connecting to people. And again, one of my big lessons is that again, I think when we worked it beautifully explains your point in a busy city like San Francisco or some of those places, um, it's interesting when we're running around so busy, there isn't a lot of space to feel or to connect or be present with other people because we're not even present with ourselves. And, um, you know, even though I do a lot of this work, one of my big lessons is I've been working so hard because when I do get the weekends and there's actually time to like play and explore for me, it's been super fun to create my own projects cause I love creating them, but I'd gotten so consumed by that, but I still hadn't made space to play. So to me, one of my biggest lessons from the burn this year was actually making time to play. And it took me till almost a week of being there before I finally cracked open was like, ah, play external, have fun. So to answer your question, I think one, I I think being in a space where I was actually open and present and external and like not just consumed by my own head, (laughs) my own head, my own life, my own worries, my own busyness, if you will. Uh, I was actually present, highly present there and and like looking people in the eye and walking around feeling people. So I was like there wanting to connect, open, expansive, playful, right? So I think that had a big part to do with it. There was nowhere to go. I wasn't in a hurry to get anywhere. You know, it wasn't like I was, I was just there present being part of the experience and like seeing people and walking around and with the desire to interact and connect and no intentions of like ill at all. It was just intentions of connection. There wasn't you know, even though I'm single, if there was a beautiful woman, I wasn't hunting or I wasn't this and I wasn't pursuing this person or that. Per- like, again, I was just open connecting and I would meet all kinds of different people. And um, so I think that was a big piece of my state. And then second, when he connected, it was so intuitive. It's just like he went there and I could just feel him. And it just like as soon as he shared it, it just, it just happened. But I I think being around amongst doing the men's work, I think, has really made a difference because and I won't just say that, like this guy, we had like a soul contract, if you will. Like it felt so comfortable. I don't know how to describe yeah. it, but it, he literally felt like a brother. Like it was like, boom, as soon as I saw him, it was like, hey man. And then he looked at me and he opened up and it was like, we had just such a, an immediate friendship or brotherhood. It was like deeper than a friendship. So quickly, it was almost like he was a very similar soul, like light, po- very similar to us, like light, positive. Now that I know more about him, entrepreneurial um, you know, so just like a happy, positive person that fell in love with somebody and then was hurting and was in as a rock for the rest of his life and hadn't really had a, a space to process it. And just, I happened to come out and, and again, peer into his world right as he was feeling her and going through that, you know, so he was having his own moment 
dancing with the music, watching the sunrise and looking at the, all those people and, and really feeling her when I walked up and is why it was like perfect timing. And I will say the, the work around the men's work and just good brothers like you and other brothers that I've had, I've had to, I've been able to work through for me what may have been uncomfortable amongst other men um, with just brothers that I trust and brothers that I built such a, a brotherhood with. Um, like I think there's a picture of us at Burning Man one year with you with, with your hand on my heart, right. Or something like that. And, uh, in the past, like when I was younger, that would have been uncomfortable to me, you know? So it's yeah. like mm-hmm. constantly developing, um, further ways to interact and show touch and connection. So actually hugging a guy, but it wasn't just hugging. Like I, I had my, my hand almost on his head and I was kind of rubbing his head. Like it just, I almost felt like I was, a uh, like if I think of a child and a child is like being held and kind of petted and like, it just felt like he needed such nurturing at that moment of like, I just felt him. Like, I don't think he'd, he'd really gone there, you know, and it just felt like a safe place to really go there. So yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I guess the lesson is, you know, how busy are we in our lives and are we present with that? And do we have the space to be there? Cause I know if we know, even if somebody's breaking down, sometimes I don't have the time to be present. I'm like, I got to go to here. I got to go there. So that's my, one of the lessons, you know? Yeah. I, I think the two things that really stuck out for me was, and I'd like to, I'd like to quickly cover both of them. One was uh, being present. And the other one is this childlike state. And I think the child, and I think that they, that they actually really go hand in hand. But when you alluded to, Hey, if I was so future focused, um, you know, and they say that's where anxiety comes from is when you're more future focused, um, you know, versus past focused when you're future focused, it's sometimes hard to see what's right in front of you to see what the gifts are and, and where the opportunities are. And if you had been so forward focused on going to the next DJ or seeing the next event or whatever it is, you would have probably um, would have not seen him. Or you may have glanced at him, but you wouldn't have allowed that possibility to stop and to to check on them. And I think it, that's. Um, and again, I think that is going to bring ultimately more fulfillment in our life as well. It's how do we stop down? How do we um, slow down? I should say to be slow enough to see what's around us and. You know, what are we creating in our field that is of benefit to us that we are bypassing so often because we're looking down at our smartphones because we're so overly scheduled or because we're so uh, distracted with all of these other events. And, um, you know, I think that's another really beautiful thing that the, that the playa provides, uh, Burning Man provides is this opportunity to be present, to be present with yourself and to be present with other people and just be present what's going on on in this uh, little nucleus that they call the playa, um, which is, um, you know, Spanish word for beach. It's this community, this city, this, um, you know, environment that, that allows you to, to be present with, 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 with so much, so much of the stimulus, um, Cause it's really easy to get distracted there. Right. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much of that, of that stimulus there. So um, the, the, the second thing I wanted to touch on is you mentioned that childlike state and there's, there's something that I, and I can only speak for myself that uh, that 
has been something that I'm having to uh, pay more attention to and to put more focus on because um, it's it's real easy to become very um, productive focus. And um, you know, I know for a lot of type A people and just, you know, our generation right now, it's, it's where we're almost addicted to, to being productive. And a lot of that lends to being future focused. And so, you know, for me, when I'm going camping or I'm going to events, if, if there's an opportunity for, myself, if I'm by myself or with my friends such as yourself or, you know, with my wife to have an opportunity to just get silly, maybe have a couple of drinks or whatever it is just to maybe loosen up and just be very present with what's in front of me. Um, I think sometimes that, that'll that dictate the the rest of the activity, the rest of the event. Um, so I, I'm, I'm wondering what your you know, what your reflection is on, on being present on the playa um, was for you. And because it sounds like it took you a little bit to, to kind of come into that. Yeah, it, it did. Well, before we do too, I'd, I'd also be curious your, um, do you find that there's something that you put yourself into to get into a, a present state? Because I know um, with you, you, you typically have a lot of uh, presence in your life, I would say in general. So I don't know if there's a, a process that you walked through yourself um, to get into a present state or if you notice factors and then we can jump into that in a minute. So um, a lot of times if it's an event and, and this is something that me and you do all the time, it's definitely something that I, I do with Michelle all the time is a lot of times before I go someplace or before an event or before I do something, I'll do a little grounding ritual. Um, and it's super, super quick, but it's um, it's basically just like a blessing of thanking the future experience and and it's it's still being present but it's it's almost as if you are thanking your future self for allowing yourself to be present allowing yourself to connect uh to be in a childlike state to be open to things and meetings and people that you're going to connect with to just be open for for any of those experiences and i think sometimes i just um, you know, and a lot of times, you know, even if it's before we, we drive, me and Michelle went, went camping a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, before we get in the car, we're just like, you know, thank you for the, thank you for the safe drive, you know, thank you for the great experience and, you know, thank you for being safe. And I think that's a lot of it too, is just the safety aspect of it, but it's just, um, putting myself in, in that position. So that's, that's one way. Um, and for me, sometimes it's, you know, being silly, trying to crack crack jokes if it's uh you know maybe indulging a little bit of medicine or having a drink or something like that that helps as well yeah and i think this is where burning man is really great or any kind of uh day excursion where you can put your phone down and you can just really be present in the moment we briefly talked about it before too and i, I know you make time to take a lot of camping trips and are just constantly going out exploring with your wife um, and friends and I, I feel like to me it's the same way it's like there's a childlike state and that was my biggest distinction from from this is like if my heart's full and if I create enough space in my life to play and have fun, everything's that's the flow state. The flow state is when I'm external, not necessarily internal. Yeah. And I and I think for me that's you know, that's definitely been more difficult for me to 
bring into my life. Um, I think the older that I get, just because I'm not going to the parties as much and I'm not, you know, doing the, you know, drinking and, and doing all that. I, I found it that I'm having to, to make sure that I schedule um, time to, to really get into that childlike state and, and trying to integrate a little bit more of that childlike state, because I find that it's a, it's a little bit harder as we get older. And I think this, this is another really great um, benefit of being in that nucleus for, you know, for a whole week straight. And I don't know if you experience the same kind of thing where it's just, you know, we're, we can be very focused on just building and creating and being super productive. Um, there almost becomes, you know, I can only speak for myself that there's this almost anxiety that I get when I am not being productive or if I go too long without being productive. And I, and I realize just, you know, when I come back from a place like Burning Man or I come back from camping or even if I'm just out with my friends and, and we go miniature golfing or we, we, you know, we go see a funny movie, it just kind of like resets the spirit. And then that carries on into my work week. And I'm actually, you know, lighter. I, I just feel really good on my body and I seem to actually be more productive. It's this, you know, very interesting uh, effect that it happens to have. And, um, you know, I don't know if you, you kind of encounter the same thing, but it's definitely something that I'm always looking to bring in more into my life. I think the more childlike uh, fun that I have, I, I think it just trickles in through the whole rest of my, um, you know, the whole rest of my film and the whole rest of my life. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I feel like I want to keep it alive. I'm actually blocking playtime is one of my takeaways where just play. There's no other, I have to put the computer down. I can't play with any of my, no documentary, no, like none of my projects play is like pure play. And for me, what I'm actually really inspired to do is get back into fire. Uh, interesting enough, fire was always playing with fire tools was um, a big form of play for me for many years. And then I got so bu- busy with work and I just stopped playing and at sunset right at sunset every day. And I just, I'm at so much of a film and I crank some music and I just get lost in play. And, um, one of the happiest years of my life I was rethinking was when I lived on Manhattan beach on the water, I was getting a lot of sunlight and I would just go play like every afternoon around sunset. And, um, so this year at the burn, we did, I, I was a part of a special ceremony where they really interesting. Not everybody knows this, but Crim- crimson is one of the founders of Burning man. And what she does is every year, the way it all starts is she comes out and there's this, um, it's like this container that has firewood in it. And she does this opening ritual ceremony where she dances and uh, in the circle and it's kind of like a serenade. And then she holds up a magnifying glass to the sun and the sun lights the wood. And that's how Burning Man starts. So it's like this ceremonial process of this, um, this first ember. And then after that, uh, we all performed with fire performance and it was really cool. I performed with doubles and I hadn't done it in a couple of years. So it was really kind of a fun process and one of my friends filmed me and and it was like oh this is fun and it's so muscle memory and using the body and play and dance so so long story short that's i'm coming back adding play to my life and play every week and um, just fun childlike play where i get to be a kid again uh, something else i do as a strategy not may not work for everybody but i have uh for a couple of years when i first got into burning man it was really fun with these one of my buddies had this monkey this like fake monkey and uh, he, he had names and he carried everywhere. And then I started having fun carrying around. And I, what I realized is I couldn't be too serious in my 
day-to-day life. If I had a monkey on my back or my neck or right, like, uh, you know, it's like something that's a pattern interrupt. And if you know, NLP and, um, so what I did is for a number of years, I even got so into it that every time I'd feel too serious, I'd throw the monkey on my neck and then I'd go shopping at target or Walmart or whole foods or somewhere where there's a ton of people and it's really uncomfortable and you're forced to surrender. You either have to surrender to being uptight and have the weird monkey and people are laughing at you and you're, you know, kind of got to stick up your ass or you break and become a kid and start playing and flirting with people. And it becomes so for me, every time I do it, it, it breaks me into a child and next thing I'm, I'm wearing it people are looking at me and I'm like, I think he likes you, you know? And it's like, oh, then the wow. kid will walk up and I'm playing with the kid and, and then the people behind me in line are saying something. And I'm like, I don't know. He, huh. he said he liked you better than you. I don't know. He's, you know, and it, and it becomes this like tool to interact with people and connect from a childlike place where I don't have any intention, but to play. And, um, and to me, so it was such a reminder to, to bring that back out again and to, to bring that out. It was funny. I remember I got so into it for a while that I would even take it out on dates with me. And, and my, my thought was, if it's too uncomfortable for them on a date, they're already not the right fit. Like if they don't start having fun and being childlike and playing, like interacting, <laughs> then they're too serious for me because I need to stay childlike and playful right. and fun. And, yeah. and it worked. Majority of the women I dated at that time would, it would actually be this great tool. And then I could flirt with them. I'd be like, I think he really likes you. He just wants to see you again. You know, I, I, I'm okay, but I think he really wants it. And it, and it became this playful, flirty, fun tool of way of interacting um, without that was a little indirect and playful. So to me, I think that was one of my big lessons and takeaways is play, have fun. It provides connection. And I think another big, I think the underlying thing is like what you were saying, Scott, like I think we're all wanting love and connection at the core. And so many times we've been hurt and um, everybody's got masks and guards on and feels insecure and not enough. And we're all craving. And I think it really boils back down to what this beautiful man was reflecting on with his, you know, beautiful woman who would taken her life three weeks earlier. And it's like, there's love all around us. And a lot of us are just dying to get love and give it. And we're, we're on our own individual space because we've been hurt. And so, you know, how do we become a little bit more of that love where we're the, the bright light shining on people and lighting people up? And maybe that's a practice. The practice could be how could you be external and flirt and play with people without an intention? Because to me, that's the parallel. If I have an intention like I'm pursuing a woman, let's say, it's a little bit different than if I'm just flirting with everybody because I love people. And if I take that mindset like, oh, I'm going to flirt with you and I'm flirt with you and I start flirting with everybody like, right. hey, you, hey, you. It's like it just becomes part of it. And you get rejected here and there. People don't always resonate. But in general, it's just fun. I find it's just fun and you include everybody. It's inclusive. And have you had, ex- what's your experience like that when, you know, kind of the, the external flow state where you just be kind of become one with the environment? Um, what's your experience of that and, and kind of the d- distinctions you get from that? Yeah. So the, the times when I am just completely one with the environment is I'm, I'm outside of my head, you know, the, the conscious self-talk, just like when you talked about the whole monkey on your back, I think metaphorically, we could all use some type of token or something that kicks us back and, and, and helps remind us that, Hey, look, this is uh this is an opportunity for you to be a kid again or, 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 or to have fun or to connect with your fellow man on a, in a completely, in a completely different way. But, you know, when I'm in those states, cause there's times when, you know, I'll, 
I'll go to a new social event or I'll go to a party or something like that. And there's this, not necessarily anxiety, but there's this, uh, I don't know, like you gotta, you gotta put on your mask a little bit until you start to get more comfortable. But then there's that, for me, at least sometimes there's that, that, that trigger point where all of a sudden it's just like, you just become the flow in the party or you become a flow with your fellow brethren. And um, there's something about, you know, like you said earlier, when you could just go up to people and just go, Hey, how are you? And just go, Hey, what's going on? They're like, Hey, I'm Scott. Or it's like, Hey, do you need anything? And there's this, you just feel this connection. I feel like there's this lightness that you feel there's this, it's a flow as a, as a human being, if that makes any sense, this, this flow of, of being a human, of being social. And I think that's ultimately what we strive for. And I think a lot of times we can get that in our core, in our core social group. But when we extend it to people who maybe we barely know or complete strangers, uh, it takes a little bit, you know, this is where ego comes in and this is where um, our uncomfortability comes in because we're so used to seeing ourselves as separate objects. And I think this is another reason where uh, Bernie man can be a great training ground for that. And I also think this is where, and I, you know, I'd like to, to touch on this a little bit later, but there's a, there's an integration piece after you leave the playa and a lot of people really get depressed after leaving because it's some of the first times that people are really exposed to this kind of natural humanistic behaviors that we have with each other. You know, your story was a, was a prime example of that, where even if you were just with them for three minutes or five minutes or 20 minutes, when you leave that, that situation, even though it was a, a brief moment in time, there is just this feeling of like, wow, that just felt really good. That just felt really right. It felt natural. And what happens is a lot of times we leave that environment and you know, we go back to work and then all of a sudden, you know, we get, we put our egoic masks on and we put up our blinders on and we put up our, our big defense mechanisms. And, um, you know, the defense mechanisms are, are sometimes warranted, you know, they're, they're obviously there to, to keep us safe, you know? Um, but I think what it often does is it is the protective nature is so overpowering, uh, us that it sometimes blocks us from just allowing this this natural connection that we have with humans and obviously some of us are a lot easier to adapt to that as someone who's uh more naturally an introvert um you know i've mentioned this before i'm a i'm an introvert but a learned extrovert that um you know that tendency isn't isn't always easy but i do feel that's like god when you're in those states and again i I feel like it's easier for uh, groups and, and environments that you feel more comfortable in that uh, that becomes like this, this flow state. And I think from there, it's like you meet people easier. I know I meet, um, you know, potential girlfriends or, or, or uh, people of the opposite sex, uh, people that I'm, I'm trying to attract. There's a, there's a certain energy about me that I believe is more attractive and, you know, and vice versa as well. So, you know, I think that's just, it's a good opportunity for you to learn how to just feel comfortable a little bit more in your own skin around people who aren't necessarily part of your uh, immediate family, your nuclear family and your immediate friend group. Because I, I do believe like that's where mass amounts of fulfillment come into play is, is when you really, when you really feel like you have a connection to, 
the world at large. And that doesn't mean you got to have, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of intimate friendships, but you just, you feel connected to human uh, humanity in general. I think that alone makes you feel really good because, you know, we're so bombarded with news and very heavy type of reporting when it comes to the despair of our planet. And, you know, there's a really interesting TED talk that I listened to that, that is showing statistically speaking that um, on average, um, you know, there's definitely exceptions to this, that there are less killings in wars. Uh, there's less murders right now. There's less rapes right now. There's less molesting right now. There's just on average, there's just less of this uh, in the world. Now, there are a few exceptions, but overall, it's a much lower percentage than it was 20 years ago, yet the media is just spotlighting that so much more. So um, we see it more. And so that has a tendency to make us feel a little more disconnected from our fellow brothers and sisters. And I think, you know, that's, um, it's really sad because I because I feel like when, when we feel a little more disconnected and we're, um, you know, pulled apart from the, the oneness of all of our beautiful human friends, um, it tends to, you know, you get this, this disconnection, this isolation, this, uh, you know, this feeling of loneliness sometimes. And, you know, the one, it's really interesting because the, the, the playa is one of those places where I've had so many of these amazing conversations yet the same token, you know, there have been times when I've like been in my head or I've just been feeling really off and it's felt like one of the loneliest places in the world. So I don't know if you've, um, you know, experienced a, a similar type of connection to humanity, but I do believe that just having that connection to, to other humans is, um, is just so rewarding. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think that was the biggest thing that I, that I started to observe because again, this time I was much more in my body so I could feel, um, I could just feel people and I could feel what was going on. I think so many times in the past I've been really focused on me and um, in my head and kind of my process. And even though I had some stuff come up this year, for the most part, I was really present in my body and could feel other people. And so it was, um, I've been doing a lot of this work around the men's work and emotional intelligence and feeling, feeling and feeling and body and body and body. And so um, I was able to go into it. And I noticed on a couple different instances when people were having a really difficult time that uh, they, it seems like they were just wanting connection. They were just craving to be connected and weren't getting the connection and we're running around kind of isolating. I'll think of one instance. Well, cause I noticed myself, I went out on Monday and Tuesday and went out with some friends and then kind of was just wanting to dance and was just in my own head. And so I would dance, but I didn't interact with anybody. I was kind of standing alone and I had fun dancing. And, and was this at the beginning of the week? Yeah, it was at the beginning of the week. And I, I still wanted to go out and I just observed myself not feeling connected. I also felt myself, but again, the, the difference is now that I have the tools I felt myself isolated, not connected, not part of the group. And then I was able to go into that emotion and go, okay, I'm not feeling, feeling isolated. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling disconnected. It's okay. And, um, and, and you were accepting of it. I was accepting of it. And in the acceptance of it, then I was like, okay, body, well, well what do you want to do? I'm not in an external place. I'm not in a interactive place. Do you want to go home? Do you want to do? And it was kind of like, no, I want to dance. And I was like, all right, so let's ride around and just have fun and, and see, where you want to dance. And it was kind of like this experience with me and my body, but I wasn't, I think a part of me was desiring to connect with others, but I felt myself very disconnected. And so I just would ride around and I'd stop. And if I liked the music, I'd park and, 
you know, tie up my bike and I dance for a while and the music changed, I'd go somewhere else. And it was just this kind of self-exploration. And then I came home and, but I wasn't really like triggered on it. I just was like, oh, I'm feeling really isolated and disconnected. Okay. Be with that. And, and so yeah. what I observed though, is I observed, uh, I wasn't trying to change it back. I was just accepting where it was at. And then to me, it was so beautiful to feel the flip when I was external again, it is such a great, amazing feeling, feeling connected and, and part of oneness. And it's, it's, I think that's why we, it's so hard sometimes when we're disconnected, it, we want to go back there. So it is really hard. I find it even as a practice for me to accept where I'm at and be where I'm at, whatever shows up. But Well, that comes up for me too. It, I would imagine most people have been in that situation to where there's these, there's these really big intentions of like, yeah, I'm here. I, I'm showing up and um, I, I want to connect. I want to dance. I want to be in my, in my flow state and I want to be childlike and I want to connect but I'm in my head and I can't get there. And it's frustrating because there's the desire to get there, but I'm not there. And, um, you know, I like how you said, it's like, there was a check-in of like, okay, well, you know, is that possibly because maybe I'm just not feeling it right now and and maybe being home and resting and nurturing the body feels good. Or is it just because the environment is a little uncomfortable right now and you're being pushed away because of, of, of fear or uncomfortability or whatever it is. But, um, I know, I, I know that I've gone through that quite a bit and, um, you know, that's something that I still work on is how do I, how do I just be, um, be okay with that uncomfortableness to, to, to be in that environment and to learn. Um, I mean, do you have any tips for that or do you feel like it's, it's best just to, just to be and, and and be with the uncomfortableness, you know, at what point are you like, ah, this just isn't working for me, you know? Um, Cause I'm always looking for, you know, and I don't know if this is like the, the productivity part of me where it's like, oh, I'm going to try to like, like, how can I hack my way out of this? You know, how can I hack my way to getting into my, to my heart more? Um, and I don't know, you know, is that a bad thing? Is that not a bad thing? Is trying to hack it, doing the complete opposite that I'm not being in my heart? Yeah, it does. What my experience is, is I think in general, when we're disconnected, there's a part of us that's judging. Mike, here's my experience with me, at least. Yeah. Uh, I feel like when I'm disconnected, there's a part of me sometimes that's judging where I'm at and wanting to be in a different place. And so to me, that whole general premise or presupposition, uh, what am I trying to say? I'm presupposing uh, that I'm not in where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. It's like, it's like, um, you know, let's say I'm internal and I want to be external and I'm stuck internal. And a lot of the Tony tools I learned used to be able to change my state, but it always felt superficial slightly. It felt like I was pushing through. Um, and again, there's some of them are still super valuable. I'm not taking away from it at all. And I still do pushups when I need to get a better state. And there's a lot of the tools that I still use on a regular basis, but a lot of the ones now I'm learning, I'm actually learning to go with. And then in the go with, it's just accepting where I'm at is what allows it to shift faster. If that makes it. it's almost like, it's like, the, yeah, just acceptance. Like, oh, okay, I'm here now. And and it's like, it's like the unconditional loving acceptance of where we're at, where we're at. And it's okay. Uh, it, what I'm finding is I'll give you another example, a little bit more personal, but I did something called, so that, again, that's the general framework. The general framework around loss is like, what are the parts of life we can't fix and learning to go in and accept them. And then, Everything else that falls is like, oh, so when I'm internal, it's okay. When I feel insecure, it's okay. When I feel rejected, it's okay. When I feel uh, abandoned, it's okay. So so learning that none of those states are wrong, all those states are okay. And how do we be a little bit gentler with ourselves and learning to go into those states at a slightly gentler 
more peaceful approach um, is what I find allows us to really make, make peace with it. Cause we're not trying to, it's almost like we're not trying to change what is. So we're actually presently going into it and feeling it like, okay, I feel rejected. I feel internal. I feel not connected to the group. Okay. Let me be this yeah. way. Let me be with this. Yeah. What does it feel like? Where's it at in the body? Oh, it's right here. All right, body, you're feeling a little disconnected. What do you want to do? You know, you want to, you want to go over here and play music. You want to go over here and so to me, I'm learning to have a much better dialogue with the body and feel into what's going on and ask the body, like kind of like the body, what do you want to do? Uh, and sometimes it's like, I want to do nothing. I want to be internal. Sometimes it's like, I want to go play or so to me, that's the active practice, if you will. And, and I think that's what I was mentioning earlier is that's why what's so different is because I'm dialoguing with the body and consciously going to the body instead yeah, of the mind, yeah. which I think I've gone for years is like the mind is like, let me solve this problem. Oh, I'm internal. Let me find a solution to solve it through the mind. Hack it, and yeah. now <laughs> by hacking it, the hack is, oh, let me go to the body and be, pre- yeah. what's going on, body? What, why, why are you wanting okay. to feel internal or external or mm-hmm. insecure or rejected? Or it happens a lot when I've, I'll feel a sense of rejection or abandonment or I'll get my hopes up for something. Something doesn't fall through. And I'm like, ah, I feel, I'm feeling something. What is that? And I go and I'm like, ah, I'm feeling a little rejected. It's like, okay, that hurts or it sucks or, um, you know, and the story I was going to share is, so by doing all this work and constantly going into it, what I've consistently noticed is there's less things in my life that I'm trying to overcompensate with. It's like, I'm just okay with where I'm at. And, and something that was really powerful is I did, there's this thing called Dr. Bronner's at the burn and they have these big, huge like troughs essentially that you walk into and everybody's naked and you walk in the troughs and they spray you down with, it's like a big shower. Um, and they spray you down with this like lavender soap. That's really good for you. And, um, but they're, they load like, I don't know, 50, hundred people into each yep. of them and there's two of them. So you're kind of like you get in and my buddy of mine, that same day that I was having such a good day after that, I was like, I'm just going to ride this train as long as I can go. And I ran into a buddy, buddy who's like, let's go ride around. And he's like, let's go to Dr. Bronner's and they're good buddies of his. So we like walked in and we walked, we just, we just were there. And so we, we got undressed and we actually was a good buddy. So we just walked right to the front and jumped right in. It was really kind of a cool experience. Cause usually it's like a two or three hour wait to get in. And, uh, we walked in and it was amazing. And, uh, and then I walked out and we danced for a little while and then we got dressed. But one of my interesting observations was in the past and uh, Scott and I've even gone to like festivals for many, many years. I mean, we met at a festival where a lot of people are very open and very kind of more in the, like I call it hippie or call it what you want, but a lot of people will get naked and jump in hot tubs or, you know, there's this place we used to go in the desert where we initially met probably what close to 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, 2007, 2007. Yeah. And, um, there's this, it's like this epic place in Mexico and this really hard place to find. Like you drive for, for hours and into the middle of mountains. And then you come up over this treacherous road and you end up at this like gorgeous waterfalls and or not waterfalls, but like, little hot tubs. So there's like this whole, and, and a good friend of ours would throw parties where 300 people, close friends would come and just party. And it was like fun parties in the mountains with like palm trees everywhere. And these little custom made hot springs, hot tubs where everybody had their own private pools and they play music and it was so fun. And so, but there'd be a bunch of friends that would always go naked and just super comfortable with their bodies. And I noticed for me in the past, I, I had some uncomfortability and I never felt comfortable just jumping in naked with everybody. It never felt safe or comfortable or I think I had some insecurities with myself and my body. And what was really interesting is doing Dr. Bronner's, I'm so comfortable in my own skin now. Uh, it was just so powerful and so liberating. I was like, wow, I'm totally comfortable uh, with where I'm at. And it was even funny. I'll go a little bit deeper. 
uh, a lot of guys, I think, and I, cause I've, I've grown up in sports. I've grown up in like, uh, you know, I've, I'm used to, you know, grew up in sports. Everybody showers together, the guys shower and a lot of guys will kind of hit their, hit their penis a couple times <laughs> when they're getting in the showers or doing stuff. Sometimes it's like they're, they'll get it kind of a little bit of blood to it. So it looks a little bit bigger or, or whatever their process is. And, um, I just noticed I had no, um, I was just totally at peace with where I was at. I didn't, I didn't feel a need to like adjust myself for anybody or hide myself or do anything. I was just like, wow, I'm, I own my body and I'm comfortable with the body my soul chose. And I love my body for the way it is. And I am the way I am. And there's, I'm not insecure about it. I'm not wanting to change it or wish it was different or comparing or I'm just like, ah, oh, this is my body and this feels liberating. So that was, and to dance naked and then to come back and get clothed. It was like a very liberating experience that just showed up where I was like, wow, this really shows where I'm at now and the work that I've been doing on self-love to really experience that. Um, cause I remember for years I'd even go to, um, there's a place in LA, um, the Korean spas where they're naked, but I'd go there to work on that, uh, with myself and I'd go there to get, com- get uncomfortable <laughs> and get uncomfortable getting naked to get more comfortable with my body. Um, and, and an environment where I didn't know anybody, it felt safer to me to work on that. But, um, so yeah, just an interesting side story on, on how that all kind of, um, kind of side angle of the whole thing. But I think, I think another piece of that is I think a big part of Burning Man is getting uncomfortable. Uh, I think yeah. some, I talked to somebody that went and they were so mind blown and I loved what they said is they said, I looked on every single thing I could find that seemed uncomfortable and I did it. Mm. And it just was such a, like a orgy dome went in there. It was, it didn't resonate, but I went there, you know, and it was like anything that sounded like, ah, oh, is this comfortable? I don't know. I'm going. I felt such uh it just felt liberating um, to hear that experience and how she was coming off of the burn and how amazing it felt. So uh, pretty, pretty amazing with that. Yeah. I love that. I, I think. And so that's one of the beautiful things about Burning Man is because there's this, you know, they have, these uh, core principles and one of them is radical acceptance. And uh, you'll see people, um, you know, you'll, you'll see people that have disformities that are really fat that are, you know, you would even think, God, I, I you know, would never strut my, my body that way if I had, you know, this affliction or, or whatever it is, but you'll see people get radically comfortable in their own skin. And there's this, nucleus of energy that just has this almost permission based energy to get uncomfortable, to, to look at some of the items in your life that um, made you feel uncomfortable. And it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's super interesting. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to the story you just told about uh, shame and, and their body and, and, and coming to terms with it, because I know that, uh, before I got into this whole community and it was, it, you know, it's, it's ironically, you know, it's so interesting is that one event that you mentioned, um, I had, you know, I, I had gotten naked a few times before in social settings, but it was always, you know, late night, people are in a hot tub, but, uh, it wasn't something that I did regularly. And I just, I didn't always feel comfortable. And I think part of it was my upbringing and just a part of it was just, um, you know, shame I had with my body. It, it was, getting permission from other people actually at that event to go naked, get comfortable in their skin in these, you know, natural hot springs because it's what everyone else did. And, and at first um, it was, I, I got in just because I didn't want to be the odd man out <laughs> because that would actually feel more uncomfortable. And, you know, through that and then through just being able to, 
um, you know, step into the fire as it, you know, as it, um, is metaphorically called, I just started to get a lot more comfortable, but it's, it's those type of environments, not just Burning Man, but any of those type of environments that have that kind of radical acceptance of you getting uncomfortable doing weird shit, because that's the great thing about Burning Man is, is it almost feels weird if you're not doing something radically uncomfortable, right? If you're not wearing something crazy, if you're, you know, just wearing jeans and a t-shirt and, you know, not expressing yourself, that actually feels more uncomfortable being there than, you know, being naked with a clown nose um, with a monkey on your back. Right. So it's, uh, it, it's super interesting because, you know, that is a, an awesome place that allows people to, to work on a lot of that. And I have seen so much healing. People get over, uh, so much shame, internal shame about themselves just by being around a supportive community like that. And I think it's, it's just so wonderful that, you know, that's one of the, the beautiful things that, that the, the ply allows. So, you know, I love the fact that you, that you touched on that because I can't even tell you how many times I've actually got really uncomfortable at, at Burning Man. And I think, you know, I think that's one of the things that you crave when you've been away from it for so long. It's like, wow, you don't need that kind of environment, but it is conducive to almost giving you a little bit of that community support to, um, you know, to, to kind of stretch yourself a little bit. So, um, you know, thank you so much for bringing that out. So that will conclude part one. Please join us for part two. Are you ready to take your personal, relational, or business fulfillment to the next level? With one-on-one personal support, co-developed strategies, and accountability, Scott and Joshua have the tools, compassion, and years of experience helping people just like you live an extraordinary life. Visit MasteringFulfillment.com for details. If you enjoyed this show, we would be so grateful if you left a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us out immensely. Thank you so much.